0: Hello and welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles. I welcome you back and appreciate so much of the kind words of encouragement that I have received. I appreciate all of you who listen on a weekly basis uh, and all the downloads and and the likes and the shares. It is greatly, greatly appreciated by me and by all of us on the network. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in And I do hope and pray that this episode, that this season, uh, will help you to weather the storms of life, particularly as we're discussing this season, Season 7, Weathering the Storm in the Home. Now, today we are recording Episode 3, and we're going to discuss the high cost of marriage. In this episode, we're going to look at the positive, the high cost of doing it right, and then next week, in Episode 4, we're going to discuss the high cost of marriage doing it wrong, and we're going to look at the example of Solomon next week. So looking forward to that, but I want to start with the positives and think about what the Bible teaches regarding how we can have a healthy, successful marriage, but the cost that comes with that. So looking forward to diving into that. Uh, But first, I want to say a quick word about the network. Uh, The Scattered Abroad Network is now a uh, work of the Memphis School of Preaching. Very grateful for that, Uh, being a 2018 alumni of the school I love and appreciate Memphis so very much. And to know that this network is now a part of that, it's just wonderful. And so glory be to God. Thanks be to God for this opportunity. And again, we appreciate you subscribing to our Master Feed uh, and by supporting us the way that you do. It's it's been a a true blessing and an honor for me to be on this network and to be associated with such great people. Uh, You can find our website, abroad. Uh, dot org. You can email us. Uh, we have a new email address, san at And so you can email us that way. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, and again, wherever you can get your podcast. We appreciate you listening and tuning in. Again, this season is weathering the storm in the home. We've discussed God's design for the home in episode one. And in the last episode, we talked about things to know before you get married. I kind of walked through a a marriage counseling session and so I hope that was helpful but again in this episode let's think about the high cost of marriage what is it going to cost you to have a godly marriage and to have the kind of marriage that that will honor God every single day I am very blessed to be married to a wonderful beautiful woman Uh, Brittany and I have been married since November the 8th 2014 um We met, of course, at Freed Hardman University. She was a freshman. I was a sophomore. We had a class together, and I knew very early on that this was the woman I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, and I'm thankful that God has has blessed us the way that he has and uh, very thankful for her. Her support has gotten me through a lot. Uh, She has been there for me every step of the way, and there's no way I I could do what I do without her. I wouldn't be able to preach. you know, and and I wouldn't be able to, to coach. I wouldn't be able to do things that that I do with the church without her support and without her help. And of course we have four children at home and so she is uh, working full-time. She's in school right now. She's being a mother to the four children we have and putting up with me. So the high cost of marriage for her, uh, I'm sure she could have some, some pretty memorable quotes here, uh, what it takes to put up with me. But But I love her and so thankful for her. And we have made a promise, you know, from the very get-go that we were going to build this marriage on Christ. That he was going to be the center and the foundation of everything that we do. That we were going to seek first the kingdom of God together. That we were going to magnify the Lord together. That when we did have children, if the Lord blessed us with children, that we would bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He has blessed us with four children, and we, we understand the responsibility and the high cost of parenting. That's another episode that we may get into uh, further down the road in this season. But when you think about doing marriage the right way, it's going to cost you something. It's going to come with difficulties at times. It's going to come with getting through difficult patch, patches that you may have, different storms that you have to weather. And so again, as we think about this, I, I want to invite your attention to a very familiar text, but in my estimation, this is the greatest explanation of what a godly marriage is to look like, and that is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through the end of the chapter. Ephesians 5, 22 through the end of the chapter. I want to begin by reading this, and I want to highlight a few thoughts, a few words, really, Uh, that help us understand the high cost of marriage and doing it right. Paul, writing to the brethren at Ephesus, says, "...Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives." Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does from the Apostle Paul, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13. And there's great balance in this text. Yes, it starts with wives and it ends with wives. But look at the balance between the role of the wife and the role of the husband. I'll go ahead and let you know that in episodes 5 through 8, we're going to talk about the roles in the home. And we're going to get specific and probably come back to this text, thinking about those different roles. But when we think about what is being said, there are several words, several thoughts that, that jump out to us from the text. Number one is the word commitment. Commitment. If you notice, right after the word wives, there's the word submit. Submission is such an important word uh, in Scripture. We find it all throughout the New Testament. You can think about uh, the idea of being submissive to your master, uh, 1 Peter of course talks about the importance of of being submissive Um, in the Old Testament it only appears one time (laughs) in Psalm 81 uh, the haters of the Lord that pretended to be submissive unto Him Uh, but in the New Testament we find this word submission or submissive uh, nine times five of those nine times uh, is a word hypotasso which carries the idea of uh, being submissive, being subordinate, if you will. 1 Corinthians 14.34 Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law says. And then here's the references in 1 Peter I mentioned a moment ago. 1 Peter 2.18 Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. 1 Peter 3.1 says Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. And then in 1 Peter 3.5 It talks about the women, the holy women of old, who trusted in God, who adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. And then Peter would use the same word in 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. So there's one word for it. There's another word in the Greek in Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls. I believe there's a reference there to the elders of a local congregation. And then you have this word, submission, found in Galatians 2.5 as well as 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Timothy 3. Um, Let a woman learn in silence with all submission, 1 Peter 2.11. Talking about qualifications for elders, having his children in submission with all reverence. So, What's the point of bringing out all those verses? It's to help us understand how this word is used throughout the New Testament. And when you think about this word in Ephesians 5, it means to submit or, or to willingly be subdued. The idea is to willingly commit to your husband. Willingly submit to him because he is, as the Bible says right here, the husband is head of the wife. That's verse 23. So it takes commitment And that comes at a high cost. Now, Brittany is committed to me and no other man. I am committed to her and no other woman. And that's the way that God designed it. There is the importance of commitment in marriage. And, of course, Paul is going to talk about the commitment that Christ has to the church and the church has to Christ. You can't get much stronger than that. That's the kind of commitment that you are to have in the home. And it comes at a cost but to be committed. How committed is Jesus to his bride? Well, he's the Savior of the body, verse 23. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, verse 25. And then also in verse 29, the Lord nourishes and cherishes the church. Husbands, let me ask you for a second. Do you cherish your wife? When I use that word cherish, I mean, do you Do you hold her in such regard and in such high esteem that you would never do anything to dishonor her? That's the idea of cherishing, and that's what we need to do. But again, the balance here is that wives are to submit. Wives are to be willing to be totally committed to their husbands. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Again, it doesn't get any stronger than that. And so that's the first word we want to bring out when it comes to the high cost of marriage is the word commitment. Be committed. Wives, be committed to your husband. Husbands, be committed to your wife because Jesus is committed to the church and the church is to be committed to Jesus. A second word we want to use is the word sacrifice. Sacrifice. When you get married there's going to be some sacrifices that you're going to have to make. Uh, You know, a single man might have gone out and done this or done that, or, you know, Friday is is my time, and Saturday I'm going to go hang out with the boys. Well, listen, there's time and a place that you can go do that, but your responsibility is to be at home with your wife and vice versa. You know, the wife might say before she got married, it was was girls' night out every Friday night, uh, it was this, it was that. Again, there's a time and place for that, and that's great. But your first commitment, going back to that word, is to your spouse and to be with them. And so it, it comes at a cost. There's sacrifices that you have to make, but you do it because you love your spouse. And you love them so much that you want what's best for them. That's really the word for love here. It's agape. It's the kind of love that wants what's best for someone else. and And you're willing to let go of whatever you've got going on to make sure it's better for them. That That's the idea of sacrifice. And it works both ways. Just like the commitment works both ways, the sacrifice works both ways. You might have to sacrifice some sleep. You might have to sacrifice, again, a, a day that you go and do this or do that. But the sacrifices that you make further demonstrate your commitment. It further demonstrates the love that God wants us to have for our spouse. When you think about sacrifice, you go right back to the text and think about Jesus. There in verse twenty five. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. He died for the church. Acts twenty and verse twenty eight. He purchased the church with his own blood. You know, Jesus, of course, came and, and said, I came not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life a ransom for many. Mark ten, forty five. What a incredible mentality that Jesus had. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is to be served, and he's worthy of that adoration. But he says, listen, I came to serve, not to be served. So in a marriage relationship, let's say one feels as if, well, I'm the one to be served all the time. There's nothing I really need to do. Well, that's missing it because it's worse both ways. You are to be servants for Jesus, first and foremost. But also look for opportunities to serve within the marriage relationship. And it can be as simple as doing the dishes. As simple as doing a load of laundry. As simple as laying down with the kids one night because your spouse has a headache. Or as simple as being able to read the room and understand, Okay, your wife came in, she's had an extremely long day at work. You can do the dinner tonight. Or vice versa. And and the roles that you have within the home, the commitment, we go back to that word, but that go back to the high cost of, of a commitment to one another. And then the sacrifice that is necessary on both parties. If it's one way, if it's all give from one, it's all take from the other, it's not balanced. It's not what God is looking for. It's going to take 100% from both the husband and the wife. And so commitment and sacrifice. Here's the third word to consider, and that's the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. In verse 26, it says that Jesus might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. You know what's interesting about that is when you think about Jesus and how he interacted with his church, for example, in, in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3, you know, those are some words that he spoke to them, those brethren there. He was very straightforward, but look how loving he was. Why? He wanted what was best for them. To the church at Ephesus, you've left your first love. Repent, do the first works, come back. Jesus extended forgiveness to them. Of course, they had to meet those conditions, but there was a constant sense of and a source of forgiveness that the Lord offers to his people. Of course, that they meet the conditions. In the marriage relationship, forgiveness is going to be important. I, I, I brag on my wife all the time. I'll do it here for everybody to hear. She has an incredible gift to forgive people, it, it, it is amazing. It's something that I've seen personally <laughs> and benefited from personally because there's been times when I haven't been able to forgive myself for maybe a, a, a moment when I lost my cool, uh, said something I shouldn't have said, acted a way I shouldn't have acted, uh, being childish, being immature in certain things. But, you know, she's able to forgive me, and, I, and we can both move on. When, of course, that works both ways. She's human being, too. She's human, she's gonna make mistakes, she's gonna say things and do things that you know she shouldn't or, or wouldn't normally do or say, and I've gotta be willing to extend that forgiveness to her. So again, we keep going back to this, but the high cost of marriage is understanding that that both the husband and the wife are both involved in this process. Commitment from both, sacrifice from both, and forgiveness, extending that forgiveness. Because when you think about Jesus and the love he has for his people. We're reminded of Ephesians four thirty-two. Just a, a few verses before this, Paul says, "When you put on the new man, you put off the old." He says, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you." I, I like to apply that to marriage. Think about it. Be kind to one another. How much better would your marriage be if you were just kind? Don't be bitter. Don't look for opportunities to, to, to poke fun and, and joke about. Certainly don't do that and bring her down in public. That, that's that's pathetic. We don't need to do that. You know, Jesus loves the church so much. He gave himself for her. He, he died for her and bled for her. And and husbands, you need to be willing to do that for your wife. You need to be willing to stand up for her and, and, and not... Not ever be on the on the side of, of putting her down, ever. That doesn't need to happen. And again, it goes it works both ways. Wives, same thing. Don't publicly put your husband down. Don't don't go out and, and, and be on that side of that. Support your husband. Stand up for him. It's the high cost of marriage. But when you think about Ephesians four thirty two, when it comes to forgiveness, be kind to one another. Be tender hearted. Be mindful that they've had a long day. Be mindful that they've got things going on. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And and then the degree, even as God in Christ forgave you, look how much God has has forgiven you. I mean, I go back and think, and and it's amazing to think of God's long-suffering. And how could I withhold forgiveness when I've been forgiven of so much? So husbands and wives who are listening, remember these words for the high cost of marriage, commitment, sacrifice, Forgiveness. And then I want to leave you with one final thought. And that is this. In the marriage relationship, make sure there is unconditional love. Now, I use that term on purpose. You know, the love that we have needs to be strong throughout. There are going to be days when you might not want to be in the same room. There's going to be days when you might not like each other. Um, there's just going to be those times and those moments. There's things that are going on, and a lot of times it's not even you. It's something else, and maybe it's being taken out on you. But the love that you are to have for your spouse must not waver. It needs to be unconditional. We're familiar with the language of 1 Corinthians 13. This is something that I heard years ago, and I've tried to put this into practice. And that is looking through the text and putting your name here. Putting your name and ask the question, is this what I'm doing in the marriage relationship? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love does not provoke. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Put your name in that category and ask yourself, does this describe what I'm giving in the marriage relationship? Do I give that kind of love? Am I long-suffering? Am I kind? Am I looking for opportunities to build my spouse up instead of tearing them down? Doing marriage right comes at a high cost. But if we will do this the way the Bible teaches, then we can have a good, godly, healthy, happy marriage. It comes with a cost of commitment, sacrifice, forgiveness, and an unconditional, unwavering love. I hope and pray that this will help you in your marriage. I hope that this will help you to weather the storm in the home. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you.